0: All right, welcome to the Imperfectly Inspirational Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Bowman. We're so glad that you're tuning in this week as we continue through our study of the book of Ephesians. Now, um, before we get into that, I want to talk about this video that I watched the other day. I was scrolling through TikTok, and I came across this video of this man, presumably homeless, and they took this guy, And they took him in and gave him a, will say a makeover. They shaved his face, gave him a clean shave, cut his hair, and they dressed him up in a suit. Now, we could say presumably that this man, when they found him, was probably down on his luck. He probably had a lot of negative thought processes toward life and just, just didn't feel all the great. People might have thought less of him. We know how people do. But then, when you look at this guy, after he got this transformation and put into a suit, and all cleaned up, the look in his eyes was there. It's like he found life again. He was so excited. He had this look of confidence, and they, they took him out to the street, and the way that people approached him was so differently than before. And, you, you know, really, that, that type of process is what we're called to be in life. We're called to have this new way about us. We're called to have new life, that, that transformation in our life from one way to another. And we're going to see Paul's going to talk about that today in chapter four. But before we jump into chapter four, I want you to understand that the first three chapters were Paul giving us an uh, an understanding of salvation, what God did for us, everything that He did with the the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the new revelation that the Gentiles and the Jews were going to be as one, and that there was no there was no separation between the two. So now we're going to see. What is it that we need to do? Just like in any mission, in anything that we do, or any you know mission, you think of a military mission, there's people involved and there's something that they need to do. There's a way that they need to act. There's a way that they're supposed to do. It's not that the, the things that they do matter to the actual uh, importance of themselves. It is the importance of the mission. And in this mission, it is the kingdom of God. So let's jump into chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I want to talk about, in verse 2, it says, With all humility. So in those times, humility was something that was kind of looked at as bad. It was a negative thing because humility equaled kind of servitude, like you were lowering yourself below somebody, and it was all about strength and structure at that time. So this, this call to humility was really a big thing. And we know that Christ has talked many times about things that were counterculture, right? When he said how we should be. Well, and this is in its way, counterculture. So let's go ahead here to uh, number four. It says, There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father to all, who is over all and through all in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to his men. Now, these also he is quoting from Psalms there. So let's go down to verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles. So in this verse right here, verse 11, these are the gifts that Christ gave. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statute of the fullest of Christ, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up on love we're going to stop right there for a moment and we're going to talk about what paul is getting at paul is addressing an early church here so we need to remember that when paul is writing he's writing with the inspiration of god and anything new always starts out really good right so we see here that paul is writing this church saying that ultimately hey there's going to be problems There's going to be miscommunications. There's going to be a difference in thought. There's going to be a difference in whatever. But there is one way to combat that. So there's not a big mix-up. So there's not a big fallout. And the church can continue. And, And how do we do that? How do we make a church strong? Well, first off, we have to focus on Christ. Christ alone. It is not our doctrine. And I'll tell you right here, I love in verse 14 when it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. It's almost like God knows the future, right? See, we have how many denominations within the Christian tent today? And, and most of them, there are some that really do go against the Bible and against God. But anything that is... A, a different interpretation of the Bible and doesn't go against God's Word usually is just, uh, just a difference. It's a difference in belief. I can tell you right now, there's probably four or five people that I could pick out of the church I go to, and we're going to see things theologically a little differently. That is not to say that I need to call them out on it unless it's against the Bible. It's not to say that I need to be mean or, or be evil or not have anything to do with them. No, I need to love them. I need to be humble. I need to uh, humble myself to them, right? That's what we're called to do. And in order to have a strong, steady church, Paul is given this young church in Ephesus the groundwork to make sure that things last. And that is we have to act accordingly. We have to act in a way that we show that true love and humility to our fellow Christians but we put our focus on Christ, and with doing that, we are able to show that love, and we are able to grow and mature. Because we all know, as especially people who have matured over the years as Christians— you know, those young bucks that come in, sometimes they, they may think they know it all or they, they understand things a little differently. And it's all about patience and, and teaching. It is our job as as people who are older to teach those people who are new in Christ. And when I say young bucks, I'm not talking about, you know, a um, a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old. I'm, I'm talking about somebody young, saved. They may be 60, but they've only been saved for two months. It's our job to teach them and, and not to belittle them or not to say you're wrong we that's that's our calling we have to be mature and we have to teach them how to be mature we have to do it in love and i tell you well, we could really make a big difference in this world if move on to the next thing in a minute but if all the churches could just put aside their differences for once and fight for the cause of christ And not when they get together, start saying, well, it's all about what I think. It's all about how I believe. It's all about this. It's you got to do this. You got to do that. Or you can't do this. Or you can't do that. It's not about any of that. It is about Jesus Christ. And if your church is not putting Jesus Christ first, but they're putting their doctrine first, but they're putting their music first, they're putting their pastor first, you need to rethink something. Have a talk with your pastor. Or maybe if you aren't putting Christ first, and you're causing division within your church, you need to get down on your knees right now and you need to pray. The division within churches is caused with eyes that are not looking to Christ. That is a true statement. So let's go on. Verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk about come out of your mouths, but only such is such as is good for building up, and as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Christ forgave you. So we have, in the beginning, we have this general idea of the body of Christ, and then we're talking about now as kind of the body of the Christ individually, in essence. We're all individual, but we're one. So he's talking about how really the church should be, what, 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 The church should be together, not looking at the differences in opinions, right? Everybody should be one in the church. Now we're talking about how we really should act toward uh, one another just in general life. And I go back to the example I gave of the man in the suit. You know, there's that confidence in his eyes, that ability to walk out onto the streets and say, man, I look good. I feel good. I'm excited. I got something good about my life now. I'm changed. I'm different. And that exact thought process that that gentleman had when they shaved his face and they put him in a suit is the exact same process that us as Christians should have as we're walking out into our daily lives. We should be able to say, I'm happy. I'm good. I got all kinds of things going on in my life. I have eternal That is something that nobody else who is unsaved can have. They don't have this eternity. And I want to show them what this eternity can bring to you. This eternity can bring happiness. So you're wanting to show that to them by being happy, by being loving, by being honest, by being kind and having that difference in you. There's going to be people that may not know that difference in you. They may only see the Christian you, right? They may not know who you were and what you've been through, but I tell you what, those people who do know who you were previously, before you got saved. They should see that difference. They should have been able to see what you were before, and there should be a staggering difference of who you are now. There should be that light in your eyes. There should be that, not I'm better, but I have something better attitude about you, right? Because we're not better. We know none of us are. Because the only thing that's different from us and them is that we have salvation. The only difference from us and them is that when we die, we're going to see King Jesus. We have the redemption and we have the saving power. See, the thing is, the thing that the, the unsaved people don't realize is they can have it too. But there's been too many Christians sometimes and in and, and some cases that have pushed them away because of their attitude, their inability to love and their inability to, to speak the truth and not to slander and not to have malice in their hearts. And I know Paul is talking generally about how we should treat each other within the church, but this goes to how we should really treat everybody in everyday life. And if it can't happen within the church, we know it's not going to happen to others outside the church, right? But see, Paul is calling us to be different, to look different, to have something that everybody wants. And, you know, the church today, so many, not all, there's a lot of great churches out there, but there's so many that I see that want to be so close to the world. They want to say, look, I can do this too. You want to have some certain type of music and words and dance, and we'll have that in here too. You want to have this certain thought process we'll have that too we'll be okay with sin we'll be okay with this and that and then there's an example of the the Atlanta preacher who played a bunch of uh really music that's not supposed to be in church on New Year's Eve kind of made it look like a nightclub in there you're talking about alcohol and sex and church is not the place to play that now this pastor claims that, there were over 150 people saved. I, you know, I, I'm not here to judge the condition of people's hearts, but when you're presenting a gospel that is not different than what they are, they didn't get saved to the gospel more than likely. They got saved to their own thoughts. They gave saved to their own wants and their own entertainment. Church should be a place to go to escape the sin. Church should be a place to go where you want to get away from the people who are doing you bad, when you want to get away from all those things that the world has to offer and so many times it's no different. Sometimes you can get better treatment walking on the street. There's a lot to reflect on on how we should act as Christians to one another to further the kingdom of God. See, this is not about us. None of this is about us. This is all about Jesus Christ and furthering the kingdom. And it starts with eyes on Jesus. And if we can put our eyes on Jesus, put our only focus on him, not what Billy Bob is doing over there or Bertha's doing over there or, or what the church down the street is doing, we solely focus on Jesus. We focus on his word, what he says. Let the Holy Spirit guide our hearts. Don't care what the doctrine is at the other church down the street, But love them. Love them. Encourage to do work together to bring people to Christ. That is the call that Paul is writing here. We're supposed to act different. We're supposed to act a certain way because we are changed. We are a reflection of Christ. And if we want this kingdom to continue on this world, in this world, we have to act right. We have to get over ourselves for the kingdom of Christ. So, I just want us to reflect today and, and say if you're having problems where you're at in church with you know, people gossiping, the way things are, I encourage you to talk to your pastor. And if you don't see where the problem is coming from, you can't quite point out with your unha- you know, what your unhappiness is, where all that slander is coming from that you're hearing. Maybe, maybe you need to look at yourself. I've been there. I was guilty once before. We're all guilty. And sometimes we need to take a look in the mirror and say, am I doing everything I can to help further the kingdom of Christ by being the way that I should be? And that's our call, folks. It's all in the Bible. But anyways, I love each and every one of you, and I hope that you all enjoyed this and can get something out of it. But uh, you all have a wonderful rest of the week.